Amen. Thank you all so much. Now I want to thank first our Father, Almighty God, for loving us so much that He gave Himself, He gave His Son. I thank You, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice that You made for each and every one of us. I thank You for the indwelling Holy Spirit who is our teacher and guide and leads us in all truth. We give praise to Him today for all that He has done. And I want to thank also our church staff who continue to show up for work. They're working hard during these difficult days. Days of uncertainty. I want to thank also our our video and audio technicians for making this live stream broadcast possible. I want to thank our worship team for being here and leading us into the throne room. You know, these past two weeks have been really tough on everyone. You know, with the COVID-19 crisis strengthening into a pandemic, Americans are filled with fear and panic over their loss of control. But this morning, I want to bring you a word of hope and a word of encouragement. I'm reminded of the young man who said to his girlfriend one night, he said, I'm not rich like Jerome Green, but I sure do love you. Then he added, I don't have a brand new Mercedes like Jerome Green, but I sure do love you. And after a pause, he said further, he said, I don't have a new home like Jerome Green, Green, but I sure do love you. And his girlfriend responded, she said, I love you too. Why don't you tell me a little more about this Jerome Green? Oh, how often we do the same type of thing with our Lord Jesus Christ. We apologize for our faith and we minimize His importance. And then we wonder why those around us are more interested in the things of this world than they are in Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. Apart from Jesus Christ, everyone is lost. Everyone is lost. You know, lost is a frightening word. I don't know if you've ever been lost before, but it can be a very traumatic experience. I remember one time many years ago, we were shopping with our family and one of our young boys wandered off. And we quickly searched the sea of people looking for this boy and and, um, we couldn't find him. You know, at that time, there was rumors circulating about uh, people who were kidnapping uh, children and, and uh, uh, putting them into uh, uh, sex trade, and, and you'd never see them again. For about ten scary minutes, we ran around looking for our son. Seemed like ten hours. We frantically searched for our lost boy. And finally, we, we noticed him, and he was found by a security guard. And it brought relief to all of us. But you know what? Even more frightening than being lost physically is to be spiritually lost. To be separated from God. You know, ironically, probably like our lost son, many lost people don't even know that they're lost. They're going through life pursuing all of the things that they think are going to make life more enjoyable. But they're oblivious 
to the impending reality of eternity and the fact that they will stand one day before the judge of all of creation. But whether they feel it or not, whether they believe it or not, it is still a fact. See, the Bible declares that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. It also states that the wages of sin is death, which means eternal separation from God. But understand this, each and every one of us, we hang, we just hang on to life by a thread. I mean, we're all frail children of dust. So frail. And yet we think that we're invincible. Especially when we're young. But we're not. Not one of us is even guaranteed of being alive tomorrow morning. That's the reality. You know, novelist John Grisham, he said that when he was in law school, he got a call from one of his uh, college friends. They went to college together and uh, they got together for lunch and the friend told Grisham that he had a terminal illness, he had cancer. And Grisham was stunned and he asked, well, what do you do when you realize that you're about to die. The friend replied, he said, it's really simple. First, you get things right with God. He said, second, you live and you, you spend as much time with the people that you love as you can. And he said, and then you try to settle up with everybody else. See, that friend's death at age 25 left a lasting impression on John Grisham. My point this morning is we don't need to apologize for Jesus Christ. We need to lift Him up. We need to magnify Him. We need to, to put Him in, in the focus of the spotlight of our lives upon Jesus Christ because there is no other name above His name. There is no other name whereby we can be saved but through the name of Jesus. I want to read out of, out of uh, Second. Corinthians, if I might, chapter 9. I call this message the indescribable, God's indescribable gift. And out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have your scripture and would open it up to that, I want to begin reading in verse 6 and I want to uh, read down through verse 15. The Apostle Paul, he writes this, he says, Now I, this I say, he who speaks sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Focus in on verse 8 here. And now, excuse me, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Oh, we need to hear that today in our land. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Verse 9, as it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever forever. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Loving Father, I thank You for this time and I I thank You for Your Word. Holy Spirit, even now I ask that You would speak to our hearts from Your Word. Father, we don't need to be worried about where our provisions are coming from because we serve an Almighty God who is in control of everything. Your Word, Your promises say that You will supply for every need that we have. Father, that You will give us more than enough, not only for us, but to share with others. Father, thank You for being our God. Thank You for being that kind of God. Thank You for the Lord Jesus, Your indescribable gift. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. You know, Paul here, he declared in our text... That he, he talked about God's indescribable gift. In the King James Version, it says unspeakable gift. In the English Standard Version, it says inexpressible gift. So what can we say about God's special gift of Jesus Christ? I want to give you five things here that, that, it's, that we, we know about Jesus Christ. First, we can say that He is an unmerited gift. Unmerited gift. The Bible says that God's love, which caused him to send Jesus, is not activated by our goodness, but rather it's activated by our need. God's love is not activated by our spiritual depth, but really by our spiritual depravity. He sends his love to us. His action in history to redeem sinful people is not initiated by our own loveliness, but by His love for us. See, some who hear about Jesus and His gift of salvation, they protest and they say, I don't deserve His love. And I would say that you're right. You don't deserve His love. But thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. See, it comes to us when we don't deserve it. Before we could ever possibly hope to earn it. And it opens up us to us the possibility of new life because it is God's gift. It's unmerited. His gift is also unprejudiced. That means that the qualifications for accepting His love are the same for every person. The ground is completely level at the foot of the cross. 
This does not mean that the outward form of all religious experience is going to be the same. Emotionally, psychologically, we may react to things in different ways. Even the obstacles standing between us and our commitment to Christ are not always the same. Think about this. The rich young ruler. What stood between him and his commitment to Christ? It was his money. It was his treasure. To Paul, the apostle, his obstacle was religious pride. To the woman caught in adultery, it was her deflated estimate of herself. But for each one of us, a different barrier stands in the way. See, it doesn't matter the outward, outward form that this decision takes. It does matter the obstacles that stand in our way because this gift makes the same demand on every person. And that demand is this, that you, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can become His disciple. That's the only way that you can be saved. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. For it's not rummaged out according to our social standing. It's not rummaged out according to our worldly success or even to our prestigious ancestry from where we come from. But it comes to every one of us regardless of who we are with the same call to commitment and the same offer of eternal life. It's an unprejudiced gift. It's unmerited and it's unprejudiced. This indescribable gift is also an unparalleled gift. The gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, it has no equal in any other religion. Listen. No other religion has a risen Savior. Confucius died and he's dead. Buddha died and he's dead. Muhammad died and he is dead. But Jesus, though he left nothing behind but an empty tomb and a glorious chorus of angels saying, he's not here for he is risen. Come see where he lay. He is a risen Savior. No other religion has a perfect Lord. In the lives of all of the great religious leaders of the world, sin came. In their life, they were sinful beings. Imperfections were noted, but no imperfection, no blemish was ever detected in Jesus Christ. We sing a song in Good News Club. Jesus never sinned, but I have, and so have you. You see, no other religion has a loving God that seeks humanity. Every other religion, humanity seeks after God. But in Christianity, the Bible pictures God who diligently searches for us. He goes and leaves the 99 and searches for the one. He's looking for each one of us because He loves us that much. He's a God who eventually came to us in the form of Jesus Christ to confront us personally with His love so that we would know His love, that we could have a personal relationship with Him. 
See, no other religion provides a loving God who seeks humanity. No other religion provides a living personality who helps us meet the day's needs each and every day. See, other religions, they offer rules. They offer regulations. They may offer guidelines. Maybe doctrines to believe in. But Christianity offers more than that. It offers a relationship with a person who is with us each and every day. One whom we can rely on. One who meets us where we are. One who gives us the strength for living even today and in today's world. No wonder Paul exclaimed, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. The gift of Jesus Christ is unparalleled in the realm of world religions. See, God's gift in Christ is also an uncontainable gift. I mean, when a person is in touch with this indescribable gift, they will not be able to hold it in. I mean, we see this pattern in the New Testament. Andrew met Jesus and immediately he went and told his brother. The woman at the well of Sychar, she met Jesus and immediately she went into town and told all of the village what he had done. The Ethiopian eunuch, when he met Christ, he, he went on his way rejoicing and bursting with excitement. One of my favorite, the blind man healed by Jesus told his critics in John chapter 9, all I know is that I was blind and now I see and Jesus did it. The one they called Jesus. Peter and John, they stood before the Sanhedrin. They were declaring, we can but say the things which we have seen and heard. When we come into contact with Jesus, this indescribable gift, we cannot contain it. We must share it with others. See, when you are touched by God's indescribable gift, you will want to share it. You will want to tell others. It's, it's uncontainable. It's unmerited. It's unprejudiced. It's unparalleled. It's uncontainable. The gift of God in Jesus Christ is also an unending gift. See, God's gift is not just for this world only, but it's also for the next world, the one that is to come. It's not only good for life now, but it's also good for death because it's eternal. <laughs> Reminded me, I, I laughed out loud when I heard this little boy tell someone that his grandmother was 63 years old and still living. <laughs> But the good news message of God's Word is that those who have accepted the gift of God in Christ Jesus will never die. Not when they're 63. Not when they're 163. Their physical bodies may perish, but they will never really die. The gift of God in Jesus Christ brings to us a life which is eternal. We have eternal life. Reminds me of the parents that stood beside their son who had never seen before. And now an operation 
promised to bring him the gift of sight. The surgery was performed and the the bandages were removed. And at, at first, the brilliance of the light and the harshness of the hues, they, they blinded the boy. But then as he began to focus on the grassy hill and he noticed the, the changing colors of the fall leaves, this 10-year-old boy said to his parents, why didn't you tell me it was so beautiful? And his father, with tears streaming down his cheek, He said, we tried to, son. We tried to. Folks, I believe that's the way heaven will be. When the bandages of death fall from our eyes and we see the glories of heaven, we're going to gasp with absolute amazement and we're going to say, why didn't you tell me it was so beautiful? And God is going to say, I tried to, son. I tried to, daughter. No wonder Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he cried out at his death, he said, this is my coronation day. And the the devout monk, St. Francis of Assisi, he went into eternity singing. See, they could see glimpses of the glories waiting for those who had received this indescribable gift from God. My prayer is that someone hearing this message today, maybe they need to get straightened out with God. We need to recognize the indescribable gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is not our buddy. He's not the man upstairs. But He is our Lord and He is our King. I want to end up this morning with words that were spoken by D.S., excuse me, by Dr. S.M. Lockridge. He was pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California for 40 years. And this is what he said. He said, the Bible says... My king is the king of kings. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's, in, in, excuse me, he's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperally powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He is God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder, 
if you know him today. He supplies weak, excuse me, he supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. I love this. He's the door of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you today. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get your mind off of Him. You can't get your, Him off your hand. You can't outlive Him and you can't live without Him. Well, the Pharisees, they couldn't stand Him. But they found they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. And Pilate couldn't, excuse me, and Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. Folks, that's my king. He's my king. See, Jesus Christ is God's indescribable gift. But in order for you to receive God's gift... You must accept His Son. So this morning I ask, have you accepted God's indescribable gift of Jesus Christ? See, I encourage you to, to search your heart and see if there has been some time when you accepted His gift of Jesus as your personal Savior. And if so, then thank God that you have received His indescribable gift. Thank God that you are ready for eternity. But if you've never accepted that gift, the gift of Jesus Christ, then you can get ready for eternity today. You can get ready for eternity right now. You say, well, what must I do to be saved? Scripture says that if we will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we confess Him with our mouth, we will be saved. My encouragement for you is if you've never done that, don't put it off. Do it today. In just a moment, I'm going to have a word of prayer and our worship team is going to come up and they're going to uh, lead us in another song of worship. It's called Give Me Faith. And we need this in days like these that we're living in. So would you pray with me? Great and loving Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You, Almighty God, for giving us Your indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. 
I pray, Father, that in this time that remains, that those who have never confessed You would confess You today. That they would come to know You in a personal way. Father, that they would accept this great gift that You've given us. Father, a gift that we can't earn. A gift that is the same for everyone. Father, a gift that is unparalleled. A gift that is uncontainable. A gift that never ends. Father, it is Your gift to us. A gift of eternal life in Jesus. And Father, I pray that this morning that people would accept that gift. Father, that they would simply trust You by asking You Lord Jesus, to come into their heart, to be their Savior, to forgive them of their sin. Father, that that You would do that by Your promises, by Your Word. And Father, that they would have the assurance that they are now ready for whatever happens. Father, there's no need to hoard possessions. There's no need to hoard provisions. But Father, You have made a way for each one of us to live forever with You. Father, I pray that You would allow many to come and to know You this morning. Father, we thank You for what You're going to do. We praise You, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, have Your way and draw us to You. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.